Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to continue in our study today through Romans, and we're going to start a new series in Romans, looking at the character of God. Because Paul's going to pause for a moment from his discussion of our Christian life and justification and sanctification. He's going to pause for a moment because he's going to think about his brethren, that is, his fellow Jews who need Jesus Christ, and how his heart breaks for them. And so in chapters 9, 10, and 11... He's going to break off the discussion to talk about them and to talk about God. And so I want us to focus as we, the next several weeks, probably the next four weeks, three or four weeks, on the issue of the character of God. And so we're going to see it today, one aspect of it, and that is the mercy of God and His sovereignty. The mercy of God and His sovereignty. And that's one thing that really, can I be honest with you, as you think about your life, And as you think about your salvation, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ here today, if you put your faith and trust in Him, you need to realize that that was not just an act on your part, because something else had to take place first. There had to be mercy shown to you by one called God. And the mercy was shown through the shedding of His Son's blood on the cross for you. So I want us to look today at this passage and notice the character of God, specifically the mercy of Him. So I want you to take your Bibles. Look with me at verse 1. We're going to read through verse 29. I tell you the truth that I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse for Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I shall come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls, it is said to her, the older shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness from God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. 
For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he wills he hardens. You say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have the power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel of honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and beloved who are not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make it short, short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of the Sabaoth had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Remorah. What we're going to see in this passage is several things. First of all, we're going to see Paul's heartbreak as he weeps for his people. But as we consider his people and the plight of his people, we're going to see the mercy of God. And specifically, the mercy of God shown to you and I. Because let's be honest, I, unless I am mistaken, I don't think there are very many Jews here today or those of Jewish lineage. And so all of us here are Gentiles. And what we're going to see is, is that even in spite of the fact that he chose a people for himself, God in his sovereignty and God in his mercy showed mercy to you and I so that you and I could experience salvation and be vessels of grace and honor. So let's notice, first of all, Paul's heartbreak, verses 1 to 5. We're going to see there his heartbreak. And the first thing I want you to notice there is this, that his heart was broken for his unsaved brethren. His heart was broken for his unsaved brethren. Notice what he says there in the passage. And actually, as you read this, I want you to think about yourself for a moment. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing witness, in bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Paul pauses for a moment from his discussion about what Christ has done for us, the new life that he has given us, the new reality of the Christian life for you and I, and he pauses for a moment and he thinks about those that he loves dearly who don't know Jesus, who aren't walking with Jesus, who don't know Christ as their Savior. And as he thinks about them, his heart breaks. He's in anguish over them. In fact, the next thing I want you to see there, we see this in verse 3, is that, look, notice what he says, For I could wish that myself were accursed 
from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. The next thing I want you to see is in his heartbreak is this, that he would gladly go to hell for their salvation. Whoa. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about people in your life. Maybe you've got family members. I know I have family members. Maybe you've got friends. I have friends. People that you work with who don't know Jesus Christ. When's the last time your heart was broken for? If we're honest with ourselves, we probably say, oh, I haven't really thought about it. Let's be honest, right? When we think about their eternal condition, when we think about the fact that they are without Christ, that they are without hope, the chances are we're just thinking about us. And we can't really relate to what Paul's talking about here, but the question is, when's the last time your heart broke for them, that you wept before God and said, God, I, I, they need to get saved, Lord. You've got to save them. Gotta, they've got to come to an understanding of who you are. When's the last time you felt that way? Now add it one step further. When's the last time that you wished that you could go to hell instead of them? That you would take their place for them to come to salvation. When's the last time you felt that way? It's hard enough to feel the first way, but the second way, George, you're kind of stretching it a little bit here, buddy. Me give up heaven? That's their choice. Yeah, but I want you to see the heart of Paul here. His heart is breaking so much for his unsaved loved ones, for his fellow countrymen. Stop for a moment. We're not even talking about loved ones here. We're talking about just fellow Jews. His heart is breaking just for his fellow countrymen that he would rather go to hell to see them come to salvation. When's the last time you felt that way about the loved one in your life that doesn't know Jesus? When's the last time you agonized before God like that? Lord, I would gladly take their place if they could come to Christ. Here, in fact, let me just say this. You're sitting here right now and you're thinking to me, man, you are nuts, George. And if it's just flying over your head, <laughs> that says more about you than it says about me. That says more about you and your concern for those in your life around you and about their relationship with God. than it says about me, because all I'm doing is just sharing with you what the Bible says. See, that's what I think the problem is. And I think the problem is, is that our hearts aren't broken for our loved ones around them. I mean, and we, we only get heartbroken when they finally die, right? Then we realize it's too late. Paul wept for them. His heart was broken for them. Is your heart broken? Or you just take it for granted that you're going to see your buddy all the time. You know your buddy needs Jesus. You know your buddy's going through it right now. And you know the only hope that he has is Christ. I think it exposes us for who we are, doesn't it? Shall I use the word selfish? Shall I use the word selfish? 
So Paul's heartbroken. And so as he enters into this discussion, because somebody would say, well, wait a minute now, Paul. Wait a minute. Aren't the Jews God's chosen people? Didn't he select them and put a special promise on them, Paul? Didn't he say he would take care of them and watch over them? Yeah, he said he would, would deal with them. And so Paul then enters into a discussion from verses 6 on through 29 in which he talks about their situation, but in it he talks about the mercy of God, and that's what our focus is going to be the rest of the time. Because if you're going to grasp Paul's heart and have that kind of heart for the people around you, if you're going to grasp and have that kind of heart and concern for people around you, you need to understand the mercy that was shown to you first. Do you, do, you, do you catch what I'm saying? If you're going to understand and love people and see a concern for them and they're coming to know Jesus and walk with Jesus and experience the blessing of knowing Jesus day by day in their life now, not just later, you've got to understand the mercy that He showed you right now. That he showed you right now. So I want us to look then at look at verses six through eighteen, and we're going to see God's choice. The first thing I want you to notice about God's choice is that God did not fail. God did not fail. In fact, Paul says that. Look at verse six. But it is not the word of God that has taken no effect. Someone would say, well, didn't God say that he was going, they were going to be his special people and they were going to experience the blessing and, and experience all the promises and everything? But yet, when you look at Israel, in fact, guys, if you look at Israel today, they're not under the blessing of God, are they? No one can call the Holocaust the blessing of God. When you see their enemies encompassed around them today, threatening to wipe them off the face of the earth. That is not the blessing of God. That's not the fulfillment of the promises, is it? And someone would say maybe that God had failed. And he says, no, God hasn't failed. Because notice what he says the very next thing in verse 6. He says, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. Nor are they all the children, because they are seeds of Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. Not everyone who says they are, are. Hey, you know, let me bring that down to an application. Just because you tell me you're a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because you got raised in a Christian home does not mean you're a Christian. Just because you come to church does not mean you're a Christian. The question is, is, has mercy been shown to you and have you responded to that mercy and have you accepted Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior? That's what makes you a Christian. That's what makes you a ch- Christian. Come into church, that just makes you a churchgoer. That just makes you a churchgoer. And so God's choice is, is that when He talks about His choice here and His mercy, He didn't fail because He selected a few and they rejected Him. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. Some of you maybe are here today and you're defeated because maybe you have a child. 
and you did your best to raise them in a home where the Word of God was honored, and you shared with them the love of Christ, and they chose a different path. They chose to do their own thing. And you've been beating yourself up ever since, saying, I failed, I failed, I failed. No, you didn't. If God could take a select group of people and show Himself in mighty ways to them, think about Israel. Think about the mighty things He did with Israel. The mighty ways that He showed Himself true to Israel. In fact, think about that group that left Egypt. I mean, they saw the plagues. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw all the... God opening the sea before them. They saw all these mighty things. And guess what? They still rejected. Did He fail? No. Who's responsible? They are. Quit beating yourself up. Quit beating yourself up. Each person is responsible before God. Each person is responsible before God. And so God did not fail. And, but here's the thing. Look now at verses 9 through 18. He, he gives us several illustrations. He talks, about, he talks about how God went through Sarah to have a son, Isaac. He talks about his choice there of, of Isaac over Ishmael. He then talks about the sons of, of Isaac, that is Esau and Jacob, and how he chose Jacob over Esau. And here's what he's saying. Salvation is not based on man, but on God's mercy. Salvation is not based on man, but on God's mercy. Look with me what he says in verse 16. So it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. If you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not because you all of a sudden got a brain wave that said, oh, I need to do this. It's because God showed mercy on you. Do you understand that every one of us here deserve to die and go to hell? We're all sinners. Every one of us, including me. Every single one of us doesn't even deserve to breathe another molecule of air coming into my lungs. We should be dead. We rejected God. We didn't want to have anything to do with Him. Now for some of you that's a little bit harder to grasp than some of the others. Like I think of myself, I've only been a believer now 22 years. Got saved while attending the University of South Carolina. And I know what I was like before I got saved. Let me tell you something. And I know how I sinned against Him. And when He saved me, it was His mercy. It was His mercy. For some of you, you maybe got saved as a child in a Christian home. That was His mercy, wasn't it? That was His mercy because you didn't have to be raised in that home. See, salvation is not based on man. It's not based on you. You can't do anything for it. There's nothing you can do for your salvation. There's nothing you can do for your acceptance with God. It's what He did for you. It's His sacrifice on the cross. It's His love that was poured out for you as He bore our sins. Salvation is based on man, 
not based on man, it's based on God's mercy. So let's look then, verse 19 through 29. He's going to then express to us the issue of God's mercy. And so that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time here. We're going to look at three specific things here. And look at the issue of God's mercy. Look with me at verse 19. Because in verse 18 he says something very powerful. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills. God will show mercy to who he wants. And if he wills, and whom he wills, he hardens. And he allows those who want to harden their hearts to harden their hearts. And so the objection is immediately raised in verse 19. You may say then, why does he still find fault? If that's the way God is, if he's just going to show mercy on whom he wants, and he's going to allow others to just harden their hearts, why then does he judge us then, is what the question is. doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair that he would just show mercy and on others he doesn't show mercy. Here's what Paul says. It's not an issue of fairness, but mercy. It's not an issue of fairness, but mercy. It's not an issue of fairness. See, you want to know what fairness is? You ever, you ever had... I've got little ones. Don't you remember when you were little? I know how I was... I, I, won't, I won't pick up my little ones. I'll talk about me and my brother. And I remember we used to do silly stuff like this. Remember, kids do stuff like this. You know, iced tea is a staple in my growing up years. You obviously know that because I love iced tea. And I remember we'd sit down for a meal and mom would pour us a glass. And if it was just a little bit more in my brother's glass, that's not fair! He's got more than me! Now some of you are laughing because you know your kids do the same thing. His piece of chicken is bigger than mine! And so from little, from, from very small, we learn about fairness, don't we? It's not fair. Life's not fair. It's not fair that, it's not fair, God, that you would do that. See, it's not an issue of fairness. Because if it was fairness, all of us would be dead. If it was fairness, all of us wouldn't even have a chance. There'd be no salvation. There would be no cross. There would be no sacrifice on Calvary by Jesus. If it was fairness, He would just let us go all to hell. That would be the end of it. But see, it's mercy. God looked down at us in His mercy and saw a humanity that was continuing in its sin with no hope, no help whatsoever, headed to a godless eternity in hell. And He showed mercy to us. He took the initiative. In fact, we didn't even ask for it. And when He came and showed us the way to God, we rejected it. It's His mercy. Paul tells us it's His mercy. In fact, he goes on and he says... Verse 25 through 29, notice what it says there. He says also, he quotes several passages of Scripture. He says, he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people. You know who he's talking about there? He's talking about you and I. Why? Because the next thing is that he has chosen to show mercy. He has chosen to show mercy. 
He has chosen to show mercy to you and I. He has chosen to call you who were not His people, me who was not His people, His people. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, we were red-headed stepchildren. And He decided, you know what? I'm going to call Him my child. We didn't deserve it. It was His mercy. This is what I want you to grasp today, is God is showing mercy. He doesn't have to. When you think about salvation, it's not just because you're smart. Because you got it right. It's because mercy. It's because of mercy. See, God showed mercy. As grace was shown to Him, He now will show grace to others. My friends, think back to Paul's heartbreak. Think back to my original question. Does your heart break? If it doesn't, you don't understand mercy. Three things I want you to consider. Does your heart break for the lost? Be honest. I'm not asking you to stand up and say, Yes, George, or No, George. Nobody's asking you to ask, answer that question out loud, but you answer that question within your heart. You think about the people you hang out with. Do they know Jesus and do you really care? Ladies, the ladies that you hang out with or that you connect up with at Walmart or Goodwill or wherever it is that you shop, do you really care? Do you care? Mercy has been shown to you. Become a vessel of mercy. Does your heart break for the lost? My friends, if it doesn't break for the lost, you need to ask God to break it. I'll be vulnerable for you in a moment. I was in Liberty University, 1988. I was at the old Thomas Road. I was at a college and career class. They had a missionary come from, from Korea. And he was showing his ministry in Korea. And in the midst of his slides, he showed a picture of two American soldiers standing in BDUs. And immediately when I saw those, I immediately just started uncontrollably crying right there. It was embarrassing. Why? Because my brother was stationed in Korea at that time and he didn't know Jesus. And God was breaking my heart. Is he breaking your heart? Is he breaking your heart for the people around you that don't know Christ? Ask Him to do that. The next thing is, is do you grasp the mercy shown to you? Do you grasp the mercy shown to you? Do you understand the salvation that you have is special? It was the mercy of God shown to you in the midst of your life? Do you grasp that reality? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. It has everything to do with God. And then finally here, become a vessel of mercy to others. Become a vessel of mercy to others. Just as mercy has been shown to you, you show mercy to others. Oh, I'm not telling you to go beat them over the head. Get saved! You know, don't, don't do that kind of stuff. That'll, that'll turn off even me. Be a vessel of mercy and talk to them. You know, tell them God loves them. He died for you. It's not your responsibility to save them. You just become a vessel of mercy and show the mercy. Let God work in their heart. Let God work in their heart. Too many times we've been told, how many people did you get saved? You didn't get saved. Nobody got saved. 
Nobody saved anybody. Only God saves. Become a vessel of mercy. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.